Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. The novel coronavirus, or COVID-19, is a new coronavirus first identified in Wuhan, China in 2019 that has been rapidly spreading around the world. As of March 24, 2020, the CDC reported more than 44,000 identified cases in the U.S., The American Academy of Dermatology has developed a series of podcasts on this global health issue, including a roundtable discussion on the need to know science and issues for dermatologists, as well as interviews with experts on teledermatology and the author of a Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology article on steps taken in the dermatology outpatient department during the outbreak. Hello, my name is Dr. Jackie Dosal, and I'm a practicing dermatologist in Coral Gables, Florida. Today's interview is part of a bonus track for the JAD podcast through Dialogues in Dermatology. Today, we are discussing an article in press entitled, What Are We Doing in the Dermatology Outpatient Department Amidst a Raging 2019 NCoV, or the Coronavirus or COVID-19, as we now know it. I'm here with one of the authors, Dr. Shui. Dr. Shui is a dermatologist from West China Hospital of Sichuan University. And how timely for us to be able to get some perspective from dermatologists who are a few months ahead of us with regards to the novel coronavirus that is sweeping the globe. As of today, March 26, 2020, the United States has actually surpassed China in COVID cases and has most out of any country in the world with 83,000 confirmed cases compared to 81,000 confirmed cases in China. The United States has 1,200 deaths, which is 400 more than yesterday. And so it's very clear that this pandemic is not going away anytime soon. So it behooves us to learn from our neighbors. So welcome, Dr. Shui. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, First, I wanted to ask you, how are you doing? And how is China right now? Uh, We uh, have a celebration. Right now, there's, uh, in this morning's data, we only have like four thousand confirmed case right now and 100 more than 100 less suspect case and totally we have confirmed 82,000 cases but right now we think we are okay and uh, people will still need to wear a mask to go out public like to go into park or go restaurant and if you need to go back to work you need to get a health separation uh, certification given by community clinic but for hospital, we already began work and do our surgery as normal already. Wow, that's great news. That's a lot of hope for us in the United States. So if I'm understanding you correctly, things are starting to get back to normal in China. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything okay. goes to normal. So, good. So can you first tell us a little bit about how things unfolded in China in December? In December, there's just uh, several cases in China in Wuhan. So I didn't. I realized it's so severe and it spread so fast. I remember we have a celebration with my friends at my parents in the Chinese spring festival. In that, we just talk about it and we worry about the people living in Wuhan, but, uh, but in 23, the Wuhan was shut down. The highway, the public transport was stopped. And after that, the First, spreading is very fast and it comes to our city and uh, we began to stop people go outside and uh, other our hospital is still working. And how far is your hospital from Wuhan in the province of Hubei? 
I live in Sichuan province, Chengdu city. Where is the panda live? The distance from the Wuhan to Chengdu is more than 1,000 kilometer. It's Chen province. Okay. But the Chen province is no direct contact with Hubei. Between them, there's the Chongqing city. It's no too far, it's no, no too close. And in the beginning, what was it like? Were you panicked? Were you at all concerned? You said you had a party with your family and you were worried about yeah. Wuhan. But then it seems like it very quickly came to your hospital. In the early weeks and months, we just know it's a, a condition on the TV news or on phone. We know there's a disease, there's a virus. It's serious in Wuhan. And as a doctor, we care about where the virus comes from. And it comes very to spread out, outside or close to us. But in that day, we didn't realize it spread so fast and uh, come to our city just in separate days. But we didn't think we have panic. Uh, but there is always have some rumors like you can't eat something or there is no food in recent in the future, make people feel nervous. But the other thing is that the government has some uh, authority report every day. So you can get information now what's the real condition. So I didn't think we have any panic, but still people worry about their health, especially in the beginning. People didn't know how to protect themselves, so they worry about it. And uh, But the government and CDC deal with it very fast and to people calm down and you know how to protect themselves. Like you need to stay home, wash your hands in the right way and wear a mask in the right way, like that. So going back to the timeline, Wuhan shut down the city on January 23rd and the next day, your hospital shut down its outpatient dermatology department, as well as 15 other cities shut down. And then the next week, January 30th, the WHO declares a public health emergency of international concern. What was it like in the beginning days of that shutdown? And did it seem premature on January 24th when you shut down? My hospital shot the outpatient department in July 25 to 27, I think. The shutdown, other reason to shut down is that these three days is a vacation of spring festival. Every year, it's just on time. So our outpatient department will shut down three days every year. We began, after these three days, we began back to work uh, in January 28. But in that day, there's very few people will come to a hospital. Uh, after WHO declared the public health emergency of international concern, um, our government gives a, a principle, like uh, forbidden people go outside if, if unnecessary. Uh, the people were not allowed okay. going to a restaurant, a pub, a tea house, or the public space. And uh, they even use UAV to look around if there's people go out. I didn't think the shutdown is prematurely because we, we can say it, it creates create, uh, good results. The, the disease spread very, very fast and the, uh, the shutdown, the, you, you can block the disease, I think. Yeah, so we're just starting to get to that process in the United States where they're telling people to stay home. Uh, so we are just starting to get to that point here. Can you tell us exactly how your hospital handed dermatology patients during the shutdown? First of all, there's few people who go to hospital in that in the crisis. And uh, all dermatology surgery is 
selective surgery. But some patients have uh, waiting like three or four months for the surgery. So some of them will still come to us to finish the surgery. And we will make a phone call to every patient, asking them if they want to uh, postpone their surgery. If they agree, we will cancel it temporarily and uh, call them back when the condition is okay. But the few people needed stomatologic care will still come, but if they come, we still need to take care of them. People come to the hospital needed to wear a mask and they will monitor temperature before they go into the outpatient department building. If the patient have a fever, they were not allowed to go into the building and they were sent to the fever clinic. The fever clinic is not in the building, it's in a big tent in our hospital. If they're okay, they were allowed to go into the building and earning one a company allowed if necessary. One guest. Correct. A company with the patient, like their parents or like their friends, only one. Okay. And the dermatologic outpatient department didn't have emergency surgery. We didn't have it. If there is have a trauma or, or anything, they were going to the trauma department or the, the emergency department. And uh, some of the servers, like the fungi examination or a dermoscope test or some treatment, like cosmetic treatment, we just close it. And half of the clinic room were closed. Normally we have eight, we decreased it to four. And uh, make some doctor stay at home in turn. And as a free online at the temperature consultation, we have apps to register and uh, make an appointment with doctor normally. Uh, doctor can ask some questions for the patients. Uh, it, is, it will pay by patients, but in epidemic period, it's all free. The patient can ask uh, some questions about their problem. Uh, if necessary, uh, they will not go to hospital. So you can decrease the people go to hospital and make them much safer than go to hospital. I yeah. see. So you have apps on the phone or on the computer where patients can avoid coming to the clinic and have yes. some questions answered. And you made that free rather than paying for it because of the pandemic, is that correct? Yes. Okay, that's excellent. So it sounds like you really limited who came to the dermatology outpatient office. Did you find that seeing some of those patients in your clinic kept them out of the emergency room or out of the hospital, for instance, maybe abscesses or skin infections, had you not been open, they would have been in the emergency room? In our department, the outpatient department of dermatologic, we didn't have emergency operation, but we have an emergency clinic. Like uh, yes. people have an allergic reaction, so we needed to mm -hmm. deal with it. And normally we have some residents to encore for emergency condition every day. We call them the first level. If they were, can't deal with it, they were caught. If they can't handle it, they were called the second label, like me, or the third label. And did the residents still work during this time? Yeah, yeah, they still work. Yeah. What did medical students do during this time? Students is not allowed to come back to hospital to work because the spring festival, they go back to their home, and right now they were not allowed to come back. So all the work is upon us, so a little bit busy. Okay. Can you tell us more about how you staffed the clinic? 
how the doctors rotated being in the office since there were many less clinics from eight to four and what type of protection they used. Right now, we just, uh, first of all, reduce the number of clinic, of the clinic room, decrease the number of patients we need face-to-face. And the patient will need to wear a mask and they will get their body temperature monitor contributing. And the care and the, the staff need to monitor the temperature too, every day, three times. Or we just canceled it yesterday. You stopped that yesterday? Yes, yes. We didn't monitor the temperature, stopped every day, like three times. We tested, tested it, monitor it, if you need to go to the building. Still okay. need to monitor the temperature, you go into the building. Before today, we need to monitor the temperature three times every day. Excellent, so that's great news. Things are getting back to normal. Yeah. When uh, you get into the building, you are not allowed to push the elevator button directly. We need to use a tissue or a little stick to push the button. Uh, we, we didn't allow it to cheat it uh, directly. Did you provide the tissue? Or yeah, the yeah, tip? yeah. Yes, yes. We have a tissue box uh, on, the, on the wall of the elevator. You can take one and push it and get it in a box. And if patient, we need to wear a surgical mask uh, and a surgical cap, suit, gloves, and goggles. The patients did too? No, they need to wear a mask. If they didn't wear okay. a mask, we allow them to go into the building. But no one just wear a mask. They always uh, wear a goggle or sometimes a plastic coat outside. People just think another method to protect themselves. I see. Okay. So they, they yeah. went the extra mile. They did more. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the doctors. Could you review what the doctors were? When say the patient when wear the protection method, the equipment, like a mask, uh, caps, gloves, and uh, yeah. goggles. And we didn't use it one mask a whole day. Especially in earlier, the first or two, we was told there's a, a shortage of masks and other equipment. But very fast, there's a lot of uh, sponsors who give us a lot of masks and suits. So for me, I can't feel a very shortage of the equipment. From that day to now, we have every day a new personal protection, protective, include the mask, caps, uh, suit, if you want, gloves and goggles. But the goggles is reused. And uh, we can get three surgical masks every day. One is for morning, one is for afternoon, and one is for you back to your home. We cannot ensure uh, no transfer virus from one patient to the next. What we can do is monitor the, temp- uh, the patients and as careful as possible and treat people sit in front of you like positive patient. Just be careful. We can't do a monitor to every patient and their company. So. So we cannot ensure. Mm -hmm. Right. So you would wear one mask for the whole morning, one mask for the afternoon, and one mask for home. And would you take off your equipment before leaving work, like the gown or the hat? Yes. We take it and wash your hands and uh, before we leave the hospital. Did you wear a regular surgical mask? or an N95 mask? No, we didn't use, uh, wear the 95 
if you work in the fever clinic or you treat the positive patient, you can wear a N95. Uh, if you want to wear, you have it. If you want to wear, it's no problem. But uh, the hospital just gave you a surgical mask okay. for uh, normal work. Yeah, right now mm -hmm. in the United States, we have a big shortage of masks and personal protective equipment. So we are struggling with that, and hopefully things will change in the next few days or week, uh, we hope. So moving on, um, with your educational activities, uh, they were stopped. And you did mention that you used uh, residents in your clinics and students were sent home. How did dermatology residents help you and your clinic throughout this outbreak? The residents in China, they're already graduation and uh, they were training for three or five years. So actually residents can do uh, all the clinical work right now. And they just do the, the first novel. And if they can't handle it, they will ask their uh, teacher or we called the second level. And they were going to the inpatient department to care of the patient, and they were going to the emergency department uh, on call. If they have emergency department, have some people have a problem with dermatology, they were called in. If they didn't think they can deal with it, they were called the second level too, just like me. And then how did you handle staff, both the nurses, doctors, and residents? Who did you decide would work and who would stay home? And those that stayed home, were they paid? Yes, we have a duty schedule for all the doctor and the staff, and we take turns on duty. Uh, like in dermatology clinic work, some of them were shut down. Uh, we just talk about like the cosmetic treatment, they just shut down and the doctor will go home. And if the clinic room, like, and the outpatient surgery room, we make two doctor, one group, and they will come to hospital in terms. And uh, all the doctor will be paid in that period. All the doctors rotate. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned in your article that you offered special psychological intervention counseling via telephone. Was that targeted to dermatology patients in particular or to everyone, and how did it help? The psychological uh, intervention counseling is targeted to the population in general, actually. Like some people who stay home for one month, you know, it's very long and didn't, can't go outside. Some people will feel angry sad or, or something you can when that happens you can call this phone number or you can use the apes we just that. talk about and uh, yes, ask the, a doctor to help the app yeah yeah uh, ask a doctor to help and the doctor will uh, help them and make them feel better yes i think we are starting to notice that many of us in quarantine in the united states are starting to recognize the difficulties with isolation and are looking for creative ways to connect with people or maybe need some professional help. I know we're doing uh, Apple FaceTime, Zoom calls. We do driveway visits from 10 feet away, although that may change or stricter regulations come in place. So I think it's very important to address the psychological issues that come with being in quarantine or staying at home. I think this may be a good time to review the guidelines that the American Academy of Dermatology has put out for our response to the COVID-19 outbreak. 
in our clinics here in the U.S. Again, this may be changed by the time of this publication as the situation is very fluid. But as of March 25th, yesterday, 2020, when I reviewed them, the AAD is recommending several things. Most importantly, per the CDC guidelines, patients being seen for non-essential or elective medical and surgical services should be rescheduled or offer telemedicine irrespective of their exposure or symptom status. This includes cosmetics. Keeping high-risk patients at home was stressed, and this includes patients 60 years and older, patients with comorbidities such as respiratory disease, cardiovascular disease such as hypertension, diabetes, liver or kidney disease, malignancy, immunosuppression, or tobacco users. For urgent visits prior to the visit, we should ensure that the patient has not developed any signs of a respiratory infection, such as cough, sore throat, fever, or shortness of breath, nor has any contact with someone exposed to COVID-19. Social distancing should be enforced, which means that patients should arrive alone unless a companion is required. We should suggest that the patient wait in their car and be notified by cell phone when they can be seen for their appointment without spending time in the waiting room. And if a companion is needed, suggest that they wait in the car. At check-in, we should again ask about flu-like symptoms and reschedule if the visit is not truly urgent. According to the AAD, the distinction of urgent and essential care is a practice-specific question. The rationale is to ensure acute care facilities are not overburdened with emergent dermatologic care. We should consider conserving personal protective equipment, such as wearing the same surgical mask all day. According to the AAD, if you do not typically wear personal protective equipment, there is no recommendation to do so while treating non-symptomatic patients. Wearing masks and protective eyewear when taking care of patients may reduce touching facial mucous membranes. Be sure to wash hands first before removing or adjusting PPE, personal protective equipment. So again, I think um, you can use your best judgment here uh, with using personal protective equipment while working. If there's a patient with symptoms of possible COVID-19 and exposure to COVID-19 with urgent dermatologic needs, we should apply droplet precautions, which includes providing the patient with a mask, place the patient in an examination room with the door closed and notify all staff caring for the patient. We can take care of the patient then refer them for evaluation and testing as guided by the local health department. For all patients, we should limit points of entry and ensure patients adhere to respiratory hygiene, cough etiquette, and hand hygiene. We should proactively minimize the need for in-person follow-up. For instance, if performing a surgical procedure, we should use absorbable skin sutures or buried skin sutures only. Between each patient, we should wipe down exam tables, countertops, beds, tables, doorknobs, exam light buttons and handles. And at the end of the day, we should wipe all common high-touch areas, including the above, as well as bathrooms, reception, lab, kitchen, and trash cans. 70% ethyl alcohol or sodium hypochlorite at 0.5% can be used for this. And we should place additional hand sanitizers and wipes throughout the clinic. Of course, we need to wash hands between patients and when in and out of the exam room. We should not shake hands or hugs. Practice the social distancing that's being discussed and appropriately space chairs to be further apart to remove magazines and reading materials from waiting rooms, which at this point is a little bit outdated because we don't want our patients in the waiting room. So doctors, I'm curious, do you have any thoughts with the regards to the American Academy of Dermatology's current recommendations? And again, this is very fluid and may change tomorrow and may change next week as things get worse. 
but this is where we're at currently. Yes, I read this recommendations very carefully. I think you were very useful and it's very similar with what we do right now in China. And in the public space, like people need to, I think the good idea is just we talk about the push the button in the elevator. We do. Right now, I can't find a way to make a doctor keep safe distance with the patient. We do the surgery or we face-to-face, especially people have surgery and face. I really didn't know how to deal with it. If you can work it out to find out. It's almost impossible to stay six feet away and yeah. examine our patients. And examine yes, our patients. So. Like do surgery on face, you that people even needed to take off their mask. So I didn't know how to deal with it. Right. You said in your article that patients needed to wear a mask during the whole visit unless they had a facial lesion or something that needed to be examined at that time. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And are you guys uh, in China, you mentioned that you're opening more clinics. Are you at 100% capacity? And if not, do you have any ideas when you will be fully open? Right now, uh, we, I think we just uh, are fully open right now. The students will come back to school from April 1st, and the people was allowed to go out to uh, go to a hotel, restaurant, and meeting your friends right now. And uh, the people already come back to work and uh, like our hospital. Uh, It's totally normal right now. And uh, the Wuhan were open in April 8th. Do you find that people are coming out of their homes and they're not scared? I don't think so. I think a lot of people is still with it, didn't fail it. Um, when I just uh, go back to home from work, I think I already can see some people working in the park and didn't wear masks. And they did not wear a mask. That's also great news. So people are feeling more yeah, positive and more safe. Okay. Yes, yeah, some of them. But I didn't think it's a good idea. <laughs> right. Mm. So in the yeah. U.S., many doctors operate their own private practices. So this week is when people are starting to realize that their practices cannot be solvent without any income of patients. So even with electronic teledermatology, it will be hard to make ends meet. And so difficult decisions will need to be made. This virus has really changed the way we work and the way we view the world. So it behooves us to do everything we can to defeat it. I think we should connect with each other and reference local resources for how to support our practice. I know the American Academy of Dermatology is working on resources for how to support dermatologists. It's definitely a tough time, but I have found talking to you to be very encouraging to see a light at the end of the tunnel. So in closing, how has this whole experience been for you both personally and professionally? And what is your outlook for both China and the U.S.? I think the, when the crisis comes, the government and CDC need to make a principle and a recommendation as soon as possible to guide people how to deal with it and the increase the transmit people to people. Now for a hospital, we can't just close it and refuse people uh, need to healthcare come to us. But we need to think about what we can do and how to protect patient and ourselves. Uh, for China, the condition goes better and better. And uh, but in several months, I think we will could have some kids from out of China back to China, and we 
have the responsibility to help them. And for U.S., I think the difficulty is temporary. The crisis will control. God will always bless you. Yeah. That's excellent. Thank you so much. This has been really, really wonderful. And I can't tell you how wonderful it's been to talk to you and hear some good news of people doing better. So thank you so much for joining us and for all of your insight. Good luck to you and good luck to everyone listening. Please all be well and take care of each other. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tafir. The American Academy of Dermatology has numerous COVID-19 guidance and resources on managing your practice, legislation and regulation, and teledermatology. Please visit www.aad.org for this information.